0: God's got a word for us. He always does. But I think this is imperative in the times in which we live, which is, if you've been here over the weeks, you understand that we're trying to talk about things that are relative to what's going on in our culture, in our society, in our nation, and uh, how, as Christians, we're supposed to respond to those type things. And uh, this morning... Uh, We're going to talk about joy in the life of the believer. We're going to talk about rejoicing in the life of the believer. I was reminded of the scripture as we were singing. Jesus sends the disciples out and he says, you know, go pray, go heal the sick, go cast out demons. And they come back and they're pumped and they... Are excited and they say, Lord, even the demons respond to us. And Jesus says, don't rejoice that the demons respond to you or people are healed. Rejoice that you're the kings, that you're a child of God. And because you're a child of God, they have to respond to you. Rejoice of who you are. Whose you are, and I'm so reminded of that. You know, I can't help but feel, and I, and I talked to J.P. a little bit about it in just, just a moment ago. It's so easily, uh, we're so easily defeated, and we get discouraged when life doesn't go the way we think it ought to, and I love the lyric in the song that says, what I thought I knew hadn't taken me to the place that I thought I'd be, and that is called midlife crisis. So if you're younger than 40 and you're experiencing that, welcome to midlife crisis early. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, as a believer, you know, we're growing in Christ. And, and I want to talk this morning about the joy of the Lord. And, and that the fact that the joy that we are supposed to experience is actually a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of, of, of being a believer, it actually is something that tests your faith you if you have the question of whether you know do i have faith am i a person of faith do do i exude faith to those who know me well you could answer that question with one simple assessment do you have joy do you have joy because joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, one, one of the things that we see, and you hear me teach all the time, but there's all kinds of new people, and so you might be getting it for the first time. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, and there forward, God is using Paul to tell us what behavior is not consistent with a believer and what behavior should be consistent with a believer because you have now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And because God actually makes his residence with you because he lives in you, then these attributes ought to follow you because you're the representative of the king and he's living in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit has every spiritual gift and every fruit of the spirit that you're ever going to need. In other words, you don't need to pray for patience. You hear me say it all the time. Some of you get it. Some of you don't. Boy, I just need to pray for patience. No, you don't. You need to pray to get saved. Because if you're saved, you have the ability to be patient. Because 100% of everything that it takes to be long-suffering lives in you. So what you need to do is quit responding to the old man and start responding to the new man because you're a child of God. You need to rejoice in the fact that you're a child of God. And so as we discover joy, we have to discover it from a place that it is the fruit of who lives inside of us. It is, it is, it is that thing that comes. Now, I love the way it's written. And if you'll... If you'll, if you'll look at it, it's almost like it accelerates. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which produces joy, which produces peace, which produces patience. Are you tracking with me? It's almost like if you, if you really get a hold of the love that God has for you as his kid, you know, it's going to be rolled out. And so I, as we, as believers, have received the love of Jesus and accepted Him as our Savior, we have received the Holy Spirit and we have the ability to respond in joy. And so this morning, I, wanna, I just want to talk to you about what the Bible says, a few things that it says about doing, not in, in its entirety, although you might think so by the time I finish. But just I just want to touch on it, so I'm going to use several scriptures. I'm going to go ahead and read a lot of them right up front, and then we'll just apply them as we go. The first one is Romans chapter 8, verse 28, actually 26 through 28. It says this, and, and this is usually used for other things. It says, and the Holy Spirit, say that, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. That's why it's so important to pray in the Holy Spirit. That's not the part of the verse that I want you to really grab a hold of this morning. Although we could preach on that. Verse 27. And the Father who knows the hearts knows the Spirit. For the Spirit please, for believers in harmony with God's will. 28. And we know that God causes everything. Say so that. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and called according to His purpose for them. As long as you're lining up with the will of God, you can be assured that whatever trials and tribulations you face are going to work out for good because God is with you. It's not because of anything you're going to do. It may not produce what you think it ought to produce. What is going to work out for good is that God is with you. And in that process, no matter what the process holds, you're going to be transformed into the image of God. You're going to have revelation of the nature and the character of God. And that is good. Right? Life is going to have some issues, but we're going to be transformed into the image of God as we go through those tribulations. You don't know what to pray. Obviously, there's a need for prayer. You don't know how to pray, so you pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit prays the will of God for you in those circumstances. And then God's spirit begins to advance your cause or his cause, which is the gospel. Not your comfort. We want to be comfortable. Just want to be comfortable. God says, can't be comfortable because this world doesn't think like I think. This world doesn't do like I do. If you want to be comfortable in that, it's going to be difficult to know me. Psalms 89, 16. This is the New Living Translation. I love the way it's written. They rejoice. Say that. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. Oh, I love it. I'm going to rejoice all day long. About what? The reputation of my God. I'm going to rejoice in His reputation. Who He is. Who He says He is. Who He says I am. In Him. They exalt in your righteousness, in your right way. So when we look at joy, we know that it's a small word, but it has mighty meaning. So the first thing that we know is that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit or one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a deep and abiding inner rejoicing which was promised to those who abide in Christ. Only those believers, only those who claim Him, those who abide in Christ, And obey his commandments. In other words, the only way to joy is to abide in Jesus and to do what he says. If you want joy, you're going to have to do that. John 15 10 says this if, say that with me, if, circle it in your Bibles, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. How do you remain in his love? Abide. How do you abide in his love? Obey his commands. Jesus says, you don't do what I say, you don't love me. Interesting, isn't it? So so he says, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy, may be in you and that your joy may be complete so the only reason that Jesus is telling us this 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 thing that we got to get a hold of this morning is so that you can experience the joy of Jesus that he experienced when he obeyed the father unto death and he said to the lord it's finished He counted it joy to go to the cross so that it could see the result, which is you and I being grafted in to become children of God, to be able to experience the same joy that he did because now he pours out the Holy Spirit in you, and the fruit of that is joy. So joy is a byproduct of obedience. It's all also uh, a byproduct of, of spending time with Jesus. And I can tell you to a person, to a person, when I hear, when I hear people say, I'm not, I'm just not doing good. I say, how you doing? Ah, say, it's all right. Or they they have this list of things. That's going on in their life. I, if I follow up with the question, well, you know, how's your relationship with the Lord? You in the Word? Nah. I mean, it's constant. It's almost every single time. You in the Word? You're spending time with the Lord. Are you rejoicing at home? Or are you are are you doing the things that you need to do to be in relationship with God that can actually stir this joy up? Stir the gifts that were given you? Are you doing what you need to do? Are you remaining in Jesus? No. So you're not abiding in His love, and because you're not abiding in His love, you're not rejoicing in who you are and what God's doing in your life because you don't see things happening just right, and somehow your joy gets stolen. It gets removed. So to understand what's going on, the first thing that we've got to know is that joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is we've got to know that the joy is the opposite of happiness. You say, what? It's actually the opposite of happiness. don't, Don't confuse those. We confuse them all the time. Happiness is the reaction to an action where joy, whereas joy is an action derived from God. Happiness is something that you're responding to. Joy is actually something that you respond from. Does that make sense? When you find money that you didn't remember you had, you're happy. When you get a new house or a new car, that makes you happy. Maybe you find a new possibility for love. (laughs) That makes you happy. Makes your mom and daddy scared. Makes you happy. (laughs) You get a new job, you're happy. You get out of trouble or find a reprieve for a difficult situation. Makes you happy. But if something were to happen to to cause that thing to go south, whatever made you happy to expire or dissolve, or disappear, then then you're then you're not happy. Let's say your new home that you moved into, you discover the air condition breaks. Happiness gone. You find out <laughs> termites are infested in your new house. You know it leaves quick. The new job that you just got got terminated because they're downsizing. Your happiness was eradicated. When you discover that your new love is a dud, (laughs) happiness is evaporated. New car breaks down, happiness is dissipated. Money you found turns out to be counterfeit. (laughs) There goes your happiness. But joy, the strength in you provided by the grace of God, to believers, that enables us to face adversity and endure. Why? Because we can rejoice of the truth of who we are. We don't rejoice that life has to obey us because we're kids. It is because we know that if our God is for us, who can be against us? We can constantly rejoice. So Joy comes because our relationship with Jesus. It comes because we stand fast to Him no matter what winds blow, no matter what breakers break over us. Our soul is anchored fast and we can exclaim with joy, I am the Lord's. I am a child of God. So, circumstances may cause you to lose your happiness, but they so- shouldn't cause you to lose your joy. Joy is different than happiness. Again, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that God causes, say that, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes for them. Life is full of ups and downs. Would you agree? It's just... Flat, full of ups and downs, full of all sorts of good things and bad things. One moment you're going full steam ahead, and the wind's busted out of your sails. Suddenly, you hit a sandbar. I did that one time in the, in the Charleston Harbor. I'm in a 15-foot john boat that's supposed to be able to go in six inches of water. I'm crossing the harbor in Charleston wide open. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the harbor, and there I sit on the middle of the sandbar. Now, let me just tell you, that boat does go in six inches of water, but not five. <laughs> so it took me a long time to get back to six inches of water in the middle of the harbor. Sometimes life does that. Sometimes life throws us curveballs doesn't it it throws us all kinds of circumstances it's full of ups and downs full steam ahead all of a sudden the wind's thrown out of sails. i've heard a lot of conversation speaking thereof how's the building permit going <laughs> yeah you know all the reputations of the of the city you wish weren't true are true Uh, we paid, just to give you an example, we paid $500 so that we could sit down with with the, the people in charge, all the department heads, to find out. We paid them for a meeting. Find out what we needed to do so we could draw it up the way they wanted it so we could present it so we could get it done fast. We did that. Well, after we did that, we had our meeting to actually get it approved. And the day that came that was supposed to be the day that we got it approved, we found out that some of them didn't even look at it that day. They they let it go on several we- uh, days afterwards, but they eventually looked at it. And when they did, they came back with things that they didn't cover in the meeting. And so we decided, well, we'll we're we just going to, we you know, we're just going to, Okay, okay. So we had an engineer and an architect draw up places for sewer, which we've got to have. We're going to have the sewer out here. And so uh, a new sewer that's going to be able to house all this. And so we knew that was a possibility, and and so we drew that up. But after we did that, and uh, we came back to them we took everything that they had in all those meetings all the questions they had met with the engineer and the architect again sat down answered all the questions had a meeting to go to them to make sure that we got it all done so we could get the permit in hand they changed it again and they said we want you to tap into the water so we've got to pay a water tap which is quite expensive which is something that we didn't foresee. But if they had told us about it in the very beginning, we could have drawn it up in the plans, had it all ready. Doom, doom, boom. So we're in process of making sure that we get all that done. We've got to pay the fee, we've got to put in the application, and do all that kind of thing before we can even get started. I would suggest that's the sandbar. Would you? You know, you're going to. You, is that going to steal my joy? it's not. Is God surprised? He's not. He's not surprised at all. Does he have provision? Is it going to work together for good? Absolutely. Absolutely, without a doubt. And so we we can be assured that that life is going to throw us some curveballs, but it should never, ever be able to steal my joy. I don't know what your curveball is recently. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're discouraged. And you find that all of a sudden, you know, your joy has been stolen. There's all kind of situations that cause that. You know, sometimes losing a job causes that. Sometimes a breakup of a relationship, a close relationship causes that. Marriages, that you know, divorce certainly is one of those things that causes that. Maybe there's pressures at work. It was going along real good, and now all of a sudden they change the rules on you. Or maybe you had the best year in production and sales that you've ever had, and they up the ante 20%. That'll always stress you out. Maybe maybe you expected to be used in the church in a certain way, and that hadn't happened yet. and And you're discouraged. And maybe you see that your joy is gone. People have hurt you. Maybe you're concerned about your future. You don't know how you're going to retire. You know, you're 50 years old and you don't have anything more, you're still living week to week. There's all kind of ways that the devil wants to come and try to steal your joy. He does all the time. But this is what James says in James chapter 1, verse 2-4, and you've heard it, but I want you to get a different perspective. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Say that, pure Joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that you can become the person that God intended you to become. And because you're his, you can rejoice in the process It's the process that you rejoice in, not the trial. You rejoice because the trial's here because you know the end result, the Scripture is saying, because I'm going to be more like Jesus. And so we can't allow circumstances to cause us to lose our joy. And if that's the case, then we have to understand that joy involves a choice. As a believer... You can choose to be filled with joy. You can choose to rejoice. Joy involves a choice, a positive attitude we choose to express. Now, turn to your right and your left and and say to somebody, you can grow in your expression of joy. Don't tell Joe that. You can grow in your expression of joy. If you're joyful, you need to tell your face. Tell them that. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Smile. You're, this is a church. <laughs> Sometimes we have to lighten it up around here. You know, just, We're just family. So it's this, it's this choice. To experience his abundance. His overflowing joy, that involves a choice. It is a habit that you get into. It is a comfort zone kind of thing. You know, I'm not comfortable with outward expression of joy. And well, good, (laughs) because you need grace. You need the Spirit of God to come upon you so that you can express your joy of the Lord. Chuck Swindoll says this about joy. Joy is a positive attitude we uh, choose to express. It's a matter of attitude that stems from your confidence in God. The belief that He is at work and He is in full control. That, That God is in the midst of whatever has happened to you. That whatever is going to happen to you, You know, past, present, and future. God hasn't forsaken you. And when you say, you don't know what God's done with you. You you don't know what happened to me. You don't know my history. I know this. God knows it. He knows it. He, He was right there in the middle. Have you seen the shack? What an incredible picture of God being in the middle of horrific things. And so joy is something that we have to choose. As believers, it is something that we have to be on our guard about. We've got to make sure that we don't get robbed of our joy because of any of life's happening or any circumstance that comes upon us, we can't let our joy be robbed because it is an expression of our faith. It is an expression of whether we believe God is actually in control of what's going on. Real joy is not a reaction to exterior transaction. Matter of fact, Paul says this Paul says, Tell the church, tell the whole church in Corinth, you are going to have trouble. Tell them, tell them, you are going to be hard pressed. Tell them, You're going to be persecuted. Tell them you're going to be tossed about. You're going to be wrongly accused. You're going to be executed for believing. Tell them all those things. But tell them to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. How do you do both? Is it a contradiction? It's not because you have joy living in you if you're a believer. And you can rejoice in that no matter what the devil comes to, to steal, kill, and destroy. The one thing he can't steal is your joy. can't steal my joy. Why? Because I know who he is. I, I rejoice at his reputation. I'm going to rejoice at who my God is. I'm going to rejoice in who he says I am. I'm going to rejoice because my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. There's been all kinds of martyrs in Christian history. But Polycarp, I guess, is how you say it, was a dude that was uh, he was he was really the the apostle of the church at Smyrna. Uh, he was a disciple of John, and and uh, he he raised up churches. He he taught, and he was about almost ninety hundred years old, and they were. They were killing Christians at this particular time. I think it was about 80 years after John had died. And, and so they're killing Christians in, the, in, the, in Rome. And, and they say, we want to we get the big dog. We want Polycarp. And so they go and arrest him. And they, they say, well, one thing we're going to do before we kill you, what, what, what would you have? And he said, just give me an hour to pray. And so they watched him pray for an hour to the Lord, and and then they gave him two. And then as he prayed and they heard him pray, pray, they didn't want to kill him. And so they said, listen, if you'll just renounce your God, we'll let you go. And he says, renounce Jesus? Never. Couldn't do it. That's where all my joy is. You can kill me, but you can't take my joy. I'm not going to renounce Jesus. He lives in me. You can't make me do that. Well, but looking for another way, they say. well, just proclaim the king. Just, just esteem the king. Just say, I serve the king. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, I just want to take a moment and talk to you about this. Polycarp wouldn't say, I'm going to put my faith in the King unto death. In this culture, I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican, or Independent, as a Christian nation, we need to put our faith in Jesus and not a political party. And and we need to stand firm on the principles of God. Do, do you serve the Republican Party? No, I serve Jesus. Do you serve the Democratic Party? No, I, I serve Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm not going to pledge my allegiance to either one because they are not the answer. matters not whether there's Republican or Democrat. When my Jesus is on the throne, that king can't do anything my God doesn't want him to do. I serve the Lord. There's way too much division being brought about by Satan that's robbing the nation's joy, especially the church. The church looks just like everybody else right now mad, angry, vicious, vomiting on everybody when we ought to be rejoicing. It is good news. So we have to change our posture. We have to get out of our comfort zones and understand that trials are coming. But I've got to be, I've got to know the solution. Why have I lost my joy? You've lost your joy because you're not abiding with Jesus and you're not obeying his word. Two things he says in John. Love me, obey me, abide in me. Love me, and abide in me, the same thing. You abide in me. You depend on me. You lean on me. You make sure you know my word. You make sure you do it. And the joy of the Lord will overtake you. There's no salute. There's no shortcut. We just want happiness to substitute our joy. And happiness and joy are opposites. Joy comes, rejoicing comes because of our God's reputation and who we are in Him. Amen? And the grace of God fills us so that we can respond rightly to tribulation. Everybody say, Help me, Jesus, I need some help here. Anybody but the pastor need any help here? Would you agree? It's something we've got to have the Spirit of God to overtake us. We've got to abide in Him, and we've got to quit being defeated. We've got to be strong and courageous to do what? To know His Word and be careful that we do all that it says. Amen? Why don't we stand for closing prayer? Are you going up? You're going up. Everybody give Michael a hand. I got 19 seconds. Shoot. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. There we go. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my We're about to get it cranking up. Y'all going to let me do this by myself. This is how I fight my battle. Yeah. you all over there. You're over there. Almost. This is how I fight my battles. One, two, three. This is how I fight my battle. Hurry up, Michael. This is how I fight my battle. There it is.